Blog Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Shalom, and welcome to Five Smooth Stones Radio with Brother Seth, a place where the Hebrew Israelite can call home and where an awakening is taking place from the four corners of the earth. Five Smooth Stones with Brother Seth have compelling and informative programming during the week, starting with on Sundays at 11.30 p.m., Proof of Biblical Hebrews 101, Tuesdays at midnight, Racial Matters and Solutions, Thursdays at midnight, New World Watch Society, and around out the week on Saturdays, the International Israelite Forum. Check back with Five Smooth Stones for specific times, and all shows are on Central Standard Time. I'm Brother Bobby, a.k.a. Victim to Victorious, and these shows have been a blessing to me, and I'm sure they'll be a blessing to you. So come check out Brother Seth here at Five Smooth Stones Radio, where your mind will be expanded, your spirit challenged, and the peace of the Most High reigns supreme. Shalom. And I wanna give up. Why is the world getting so crazy? Come too far to die now. If you're a survivor, get up. Let it breathe. Let it breathe. 
your host, Brother Seth, and listen to Five Smooth Stones on Blog Talk Radio. And I uh, just want to just let everybody know that tonight is going to be part two of what happened on Tuesday night. As y'all know, on Tuesday night we discussed um, enlightenment on my travels all over the world. Again, enlightenment on my travels all over the world. And uh, what I what that is, in a brief synopsis of, of what that title means is, I go. I spent the last uh, show for two hours talking about where I've been, people, places, and things that have inspired me, changed me, molded me, and influenced these five topics that I talk about all the time that we call five smooth stones. So, again, welcome to another episode. I'm going to jump right into it because I want to put as much into this as I can because what I decided I would do is also include domestic travels uh, this week. Last week I focused on outside of the United States, and I want to continue that, finish that up, and if we have any time, if we have any time, talk about domestic travels because there's a lot of powerful things that happen in the United States that, again, have influenced me as well as these five topics that I've talked about that have either confirmed them uh, or just simply uh, inspired me to continue to uh, go forth with uh, teaching on them. Uh, Maybe I've met some people, like I'll talk about a little bit of Oscar Robinson, uh, uh, one of the persons that, for sure, was placed in my past. And y'all, if y'all don't know Oscar Robson, you live in the United States, I don't know what to tell you. The great basketball legend. He and I had a very interesting conversation that served nothing more to me than a confirmation that I was doing the right thing. Also, there's a young lady by the name of Candace Staten. I shouldn't say young. She's a little older now. But, uh, again, if you live in the United States and you don't know Candace Staten, I don't know what to tell you, but Candace Staten is a powerful um, singer back in the day. Uh, they call her, actually, she has a title of the uh, sweetheart. You know how this Aretha Franklin is the uh, 
queen of soul. James Brown is the godfather of soul. Candace Davis is the sweetheart of soul. Whatever that means. That's what she's called. Anyway, had a very long conversation with her. Uh, probably the longest conversation I've had with the so-called celebrity. And uh, very, 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 uh, I think, inspirational type of conversation. Then I had a chance to fly to Atlanta and meet her husband. Um, back then, John Tussle. I don't know if she's still married to him or not, but Pastor John Tussle met with him, actually went out to dinner. Um, very interesting conversation. Again, that meeting, that whole um, friendship was nothing more than a giant confirmation. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. So how's everybody doing? Hopefully everybody's doing well. I've got to excuse me because I've been rushing and have a chance to go sit down and eat. And now that I'm sitting down and eating, y'all get to hear a little bit of some smacking here and there. But anyway, tonight, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, please listen tonight. And uh, it will inspire you. It will inform you uh, of some things that you probably never heard. Maybe you have heard everything. But still, sometimes it's good to hear things for inspirational reasons. Just like I said, these people have done in my life. Sometimes you need some inspiration from people that is outside of your clique or your clan or your family or whatever you want to call it. And I just mentioned these names, uh, not that I'm running behind these people because, like I said to you all the time, I do not run behind, um, not a groupie, but if I feel like the Bible says if a righteous man steps, that don't mean you got to be perfect, but righteous. Righteous is a uh, um, is something that the Most High gives you. It's you to be righteous doesn't necessarily mean you have to be perfect, but that's another subject. But uh, the Bible says a righteous man's steps is ordered of the Lord. So that means anybody come across my path, I feel there's a reason. So I have this rule when I meet celebrities. They have got to darn near walk up to me for me to say something to them because I don't want to make it look like I'm running behind them, trying to kiss up to them or anything like that. So I'd be very careful because when I tell the stories after the fact, I know that the Most High is doing something whenever I meet him. I know he's in the mix. So I make sure that the story will go well and that I will tell you all that this person walks up to me or when I be able to tell the story of what happened with these people and even people that's not so famous, I want to be able to say that they pursued me or it was a mutual type of meeting. And I want to be able to also tell you that the conversation flowed gently. Uh, was not something I was aggressive with. Some of these people I just walked the two started talking. Sometimes they brought up the subject. Um, so anyway, we'll talk about that. And, again, I only mention these big names because I know they are world figures. People know them all over the world, and that's something you know. If I mention some other people I've met on the bus station, you won't know who they are, although some of them played a more important role than some of these big names. So uh, I just thought I would do a show talking again about, uh, again, part two tonight, enlightenment on my travels, including people's places, and things, whereas the first show I pretty much concentrated on the places and 
and the people. Today I'm going to talk about the people, places, and the things that have inspired me, changed me, molded me. And uh, I'm not done. I'm not done with my travels. I'm not done with meeting uh, powerful, inspirational people out there just like you. So hopefully tonight you're doing fine. Hopefully tonight you was able to serve the most high in some kind of way. Show love to your fellow man because if it's not in love, you're wasting your time. You're just wasting your time. So, again, um, again, this is strictly to inform you of uh, was to inform you, is to enlighten you. Um, inspire you. This show will do a lot of different things tonight. It will not be a, uh, we will not waste your time as we never do. Okay? But uh, sometimes you got to talk about where you've been. you got to let other people comment on what you're saying versus just you. So even though I'm doing all the talking, I'm going to be sharing with you all what other people have to say about things I've, I've talked talk about. And just to go ahead and read the show's description, the show for tonight, I have a description for the show, and I'm going to read it. It says, tonight, again tonight, people, places, and things all over the world that has influenced me and the five smooth stones, in parenthesis, five topics. And then I have a slideshow presentation of uh, Oscar Robinson. and then after Oscar Robinson is Candace Staten, a picture of her, those of y'all who don't know who she is. And then after that, I have a picture of, um, I'm waiting on the slideshow to slide. But there's also on the slideshow C.T. Vivian, uh, who walked with Dr. Marlis King. I did talk about C.T. Vivian last week, but I thought I'd put his picture on the show for this week. Um, so and another thing, I accidentally erased the show for last week. I hopefully, hopefully y'all have heard it. If you clicked on this show, chances are you probably heard part one. But I have, I did contact Blog Talk Radio and let them know to reinstate it, that it was a mistake, and hopefully they'll be able to do that when we'll have that show. Because part one, I talked about a lot. It's a shame that I clicked that button by mistake because that had a whole lot of information on it. So anyway, um, as a matter of fact, let me just go ahead while I'm talking to y'all and see if there's a way I can, um, oh, I'm sorry, I got sidetracked. C.T. Vivian is on this slideshow as well as a young lady by the name of Phyllis Stickney. Y'all should know her. Throat. She's in a lot of Spike Lee booms. Phyllis Stickney, is all, Phyllis Stickney is all over the place. Phyllis Stickney, a movie star. And also Beverly Todd. If you don't know Beverly Todd, I'll to tell you. You probably ain't looked at a movie in your life if you've never seen Beverly Todd. Beverly Todd goes to Demona every single year. At least when I was there, I've always seen her there. So I'm telling you, it's powerful, powerful, powerful woman, Beverly Todd, always going to Israel to get enlightened, plays a very low-key role, but we'll talk about that later. Um, what I was going to say is I'm going to try uh, to go ahead and uh, log into uh, Google. Well, I'll do that later. We'll do that later. We'll do that later. So, again... Hopefully everybody's doing well. I'm going to go ahead and just start this presentation. I'm not going to hold back at all. Uh, we've got, got a lot to cover, so I'm just going to go ahead and just start uh, with talking about Italy. Talk about Italy, okay? Um, let me just see if I can... Uh, I hope I 
can uh, do this real quick. Um, okay, well, let's just take a little short break, and I'll be right back, and that'll give me time to allow some more people to come, and then we'll start off by talking about Italy. Check out Italy. When I went to Italy, I flew to Milan, Milan, Italy, and I flew to Milan because I was trying to go to a place called Albino, Italy. I know, I mean, I know you are tripping out on Albino, but they actually say Albino, but it's the same thing, Albino, spit, same word, and I went there because, as y'all know, I t- teach a lot about um, uh, leprosy, and how leprosy is nothing more than the modern-day terminology. Uh, it's nothing more than the modern-day word for albinoism. Albinoism and, uh, is a type, a type, there's several types of leprosy, and it has nothing to do with what you, some of y'all thinking right now, all that fingers falling off and blood, pus and scab. A lot of it has absolutely positively nothing to do with leprosy. Leprosy is the white skin, the whites, the whiteness that come out of the scab, the whiteness that come out of the rising. Leprosy always was and is, according to the Bible, nothing more than I flew to Albino, Italy to get more research on it. Now, this is going to be very interesting, so you cannot go nowhere and miss when I come back to talk about uh, um, albinoism. You're going to really miss that if you miss the show. I mean, miss this part of the show. So all those people that's always late every week, they're going to miss out because we're going to talk about my experience with uh, Albino, Italy once I get back, Okay. Albino Italy. Can you believe there's such a thing as Albino Italy? I mean, you go there, and they have pride with that. They don't have no problem saying Albino uh, auto supplies, Albino car washes, Albino, you know. There's all types of things in Albino Italy that has the name of that city on its business, all types of businesses that starts with Albino. So I think with that much pride, somebody in that city somewhere will be proud enough to tell me the origin of that word and why that city is called Albino. There will be some Europeans that will be bold enough to tell me that, uh, uh, you, that, 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 that the bulk of the people initially were uh, descendants of Albinos, something to that effect. And so I went to Italy. Because, you know, get the good straight from the horse's mouth. And yeah, it will be very interesting to hear what happened, okay? And I actually have a video of this, uh, of me in Italy researching, asking questions. But we'll talk about this in a second. So, y'all, stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned. It's about to get really uh, interesting up in here, okay? So, uh, those of y'all that have been asking about, my travels and where I've been and why did I go? This is your this is your night, okay? So y'all have to bear with me. I'm doing my three things at one time, but by the time I come back, I'll be doing one thing at one time. That is talking about Italy and my enlightenment while there. I'll be right back.
Okay, we're back. I need to get a little break, break. Trust me, there was a lot going on there. But anyway, um, the computer is crashing. I actually have to sign in. But listen, folks, Italy, Italy. Let's just talk about Italy, and uh, because we got a lot to squeeze in. All right. And when I talk fast, I don't mean no harm. It's just that I want to cover a lot. We got international and domestic. And I'm, again, I need that long break. So I know I, um, for me, I'll probably say, "Why'd you take such a long song?" But anyway. Italy. Uh, I flew into Italy, uh, Milan to be exact, and uh, had a chance to just really see that beautiful place. But nothing, but nothing can touch the beauty of this place called Albino, Italy. Just look it up on Google. And uh, if you can, do the street view of Google and walk down those narrow streets and just look at the beauty of those, the pavement, the Google roads, uh, at least the roads that I was on. Um, but let's, let's just start from the very beginning. I flew into Milan and took a bus from the airport to the train station, uh, Milan train station, okay? Uh, then at that point, I took a bus to Bergamo, Bergamo. Bergamo is a place, a large city, larger than Albino. Albino, Italy, or Albino, as they call it, is a small city. Bergamo is a larger city outside of Milan. So I took a train, uh, 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 let me get it right, I took a bus to the train station, took a train from the bus station, uh, took a bus from the airport, to the train station, hopped on the train that said Bergamo, I think it said Bergamo or something, and then uh, took that to another bus station, a smaller bus to Albino. Now, before I did all that, when I first got to that train station, there was this African guy. i got to tell you about this guy. Remember, this show is about enlightenment on my travels all over the world, enlightenment on my travels all over the world. Now, here's going to be a moment of great enlightenment. There's an African guy standing in the middle of this terminal, and I wish y'all could Google the Milan train station, Milan, M-I-L-A-N, train station. It's the main train station. You can't miss it. It shouldn't be the one, the big train station um, right outside the airport. Uh, actually, it's in the city. It's in the city of Milan, the train station. Google it. It's, it's a lot of train tracks. It may be train tracks. And uh, anyway, I took this. Uh, before I got on the train, there was this African guy standing there. And he came up to me and he started saying, my brother, my brother. You know, he was very excited to see me. And I said, listen, sir. I said, I think you got the wrong person. I think you got the wrong person. He said, no, my brother, I, 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 it's good to see you. It's good to see you. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, man, this dude don't know who I am. And he's thinking I'm somebody. So I kept letting him know, no, sir, no, never. I'm not who you think. No, I'm not who you think, sir. You got the wrong person. I said, I'm from the United States. And he says, he says, I'm like, welcome. And, and then he said, you're my brother. I've been waiting for you. I'm lying, I'm flying. This man was thinking that I'm his brother some kind of way. I mean, I guess culture brother. But I figured out what he meant later. I think he just meant black, being his black brother. I don't know. But this guy 
was going crazy. Okay? He was very excited to see me, to say the least. And uh, so I just began to kind of go, okay, okay, you know, all right, maybe he's just being nice, and this is the thing that they do in Milan. Then I let him know. I said, listen, sir, if you try to get money from me, yes, I went there because when you travel, all kind of folks with all kind of games out there, you've got to basically just be on high, high, high alert because you don't know what you're dealing with. So I let him know, listen, sir, I do not, y'all bear with me a little noise in the background, I said, I said to him, I do not have any money for you. I come here to, to travel, and I'm going to Albino. And so he said, I mean, I told him Albino. I said Albino. And he said, you mean Albino, Albino? I said, I said, yes. He says, I know the way. I will show you. Okay, now I'm getting real concerned. <laughs> when folks are talking about they're going to go with you, now you can be part of a scam, you know, and so... I just say, no, that's okay, that's okay. He said, no, I want to go with you. I will show you the way. I will show you the way. And so, I mean, I, I just didn't feel comfortable. But, you know, as he talked and we, you know, I kind of blew him off a little bit and they kind of went and got something to eat up, pop or some weight on this train, I began to trust him a little more. And so I went ahead and said, well, what what harm can he do? You saying like New York, I mean, what, somehow going on the train trying to rob me or something? So I just went and said, okay, you know, you can show me the way because I don't know where I'm going. And one other mistake I made in going to Milan is kind of embarrassing, but I'll tell you all anyway. I had no idea that the people in Milan spoke uh, mostly. Uh, most of the people there, when you get outside of the city of Milan, do not speak English. That's something I didn't know. And so um, there I was, and outside of uh, Milan, uh, people speaking Italian or whatever the language is, I think it's Italian, whatever it was, I forget now, I once knew, uh, but let's see here, I'm trying to do three things here one time. But anyway, so I began to trust the guy. So we went here and took the bus, the train, jumped on the train, and took the train all the way into Bergamo. From Bogama, remember, we got to take a bus. So this guy still was hanging along, hadn't got robbed, nothing like that. So I figured, hey, okay, you know, maybe this guy is not as bad as I thought. So I just uh, went here and took that bus. Uh, we were in the bus for Albino, as they call it, and we took a bus from Albino. Now, while we was in Bogama, while we were in Bergamo, I need to mention that there was a, a young white lady. Now, I believe that African guy was sent of the most high men looking back at this whole situation because you have to understand, <laughs> nobody was going to do what he did. And uh, in the end, I'm speeding the story up, but in the end, he didn't ask for a dime. He didn't ask for all oh, the back. I think he did ask me for Now, I asked him that he needed anything. And he said, no, 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 he said, you sure? He said, why don't you buy me a drink? And so I remember you uh, buying him a drink. So uh, he had been traveling, you know. And so that was it. That's all that guy required out of me. And this, this guy went all the way to Albino, Italy, with me. Now watch this. I want you to listen very carefully. Remember, I went to Albino, Italy to, get re- to do research on albinism. 
albinism and the origin of uh, white skin. This is what no racist trip. This is what no uh, anti-white trip. This is just like any historian that would bring all your little cameras and go over to another, you know, just like the History Channel or anybody else. I don't trust people, and I've learned if I have the word, I'm going to go check it out myself. So I call myself going from there to do that, which is not bad. I want to go to Italy anyway, so I said I'll kill two birds with one stone. I'll go ahead and fly to Milan like I want to. And while I'm there, I'll just take this little old, uh, train bus to Albino, Albino, Italy. And so uh, this guy and I headed on our way, and we met this white young lady, which I found out later on. Looking back, she, she too, was used as the most high, I believe, because she was nothing more than um, she, she was overly nice to us, gave us extra information, and she would even walk us to this local library where, I, where the, my research ended up taking us. And she didn't have to do that. The, the gentleman was my language bearer. He he was the person that was my interpreter. Had I had I not been had it not been for him, I wouldn't have absolutely uh, no success. Uh, I mean, no, and I wouldn't have got for that guy, which I didn't go, which I didn't do as much as I would have liked. But I wouldn't have went nowhere had it not been for uh, this particular. Uh, uh, gentleman and this young lady, I mean, this particular gentleman with the language back, this a white young lady come along and just was so nice, and I think she kind of liked it because she tell you the truth. But this is, again, an African guy. So what happened was I let him know that I was, what kind of research I was doing. He seemed to didn't care much about it. He said, oh, very interesting. And, and, and he, it was hard to understand him, by the way, but he did speak English, so he just, it was kind of hard, but I still could make out what he was saying, and he would interpret uh, what the Italians was saying to me. So the young lady said, uh, I'm going to show you all what the library was at. Now, on the way, we kept seeing, I kept seeing these signs that said, check this out, folks. It's, it's, um, may God strike the tears on the line. There were signs all throughout that route that we were going to watch. We got to Bergamo. And we were going to Bergamo bus station to Albino, Italy. We kept seeing these signs. I may have even saw them in Bergamo. I'm not really sure if I remember seeing them in Bergamo, but I know for sure they was in Albino. They said, Tour, T-O-U-R, of the Yellow Man. Tour of the Yellow Man. You know what I mean? saying, so what? What does that mean? Well, I don't even know really to the extent that what that sticker would mean till probably almost after the trip. The yellow man, I'm thinking, wow, the yellow man, to the yellow man. And, and I saw, kept seeing those stickers, and I, I was just, you know, sometimes things don't hit you until you got to think about it a while. And probably about the third sticker, it dawned on me, to the yellow man, that's like an albino. And so I took a picture of it. To the yellow man, I took a picture of it. And then, uh, Later on, I found out that the Yellow Man is a reggae singer who is an albino who they call Yellow Man. Some of y'all probably laughing because y'all knew that, but I didn't know that. And uh, a friend of mine, I was telling him about the same experience like I'm telling y'all, and he said to me that was just 
blew me away, and I said, man, I didn't even get that. I didn't even get that. So this was probably a, over a year later that I actually didn't get the show. Like she said, well, Seth, that's what you was doing. You was actually going on a tour of albinism, albinoism, or a tour of the yellow man. And I never thought of it. Like and some of y'all might say, oh, that's not all that. Okay, it may not be to you, but you know sometimes spiritual things are very strange. Now, watch this. Stay with me. Stay with me. I'm in Italy. I'm looking for research. I've never done this before. I'm an amateur. I have no, all I'm going to do is just go, so go in there and look for some books. I have no idea that the vast majority of these books is not even in English. So I go <laughs> so I go in this uh, library. I have no idea that the vast majority of these people in Albino, in, in Albino, Italy, and uh, Bergamo, Italy, do not even speak English. So basically the trip is at a no-go. That is just, that was a barrier for me. And this guy wasn't about to, even though he was super nice, he wasn't about to go thumbing through all these books in that library for me. But something happened. Two things happened. The first one I just shared with you. I saw these stickers all throughout Albino, Italy. And you can go, if you think I'm lying, you can actually contact, uh, I mean, if you very, if you, some people just curious. So if you're one of those people that care enough about this conversation and this testimony, do the research. See don't Albino, I mean, that see don't Yellow Man, this reggae star called Yellow Man, see if he did not visit Albino, Italy. Check it out and see if what I'm saying is true. Anyway, the time he did, that's the time I was there. I, I think I came like a week before because it was advertising for that concert. But some of y'all may say, well, you just happen to see a concert label. Yeah, but there's 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 not thousands, there's not probably thousands of them, I would think not. How did, how, what is the chances of me going to Albino, Italy and spotting, uh, uh, never hearing of a guy, yellow man before. All these reggae songs and stuff I listen to, Morton Hager Heritage, Bob Marley. I mean, look at everybody. And I never, ever heard of no reggae singer named Yellow Man. And to see on a bus when I'm focusing on all kind of things like mountains and the roads and the people and, the you know, the greenery and the beauty, for me to lock in on a sticker that says tour of the yellow man who was an albino, you can say what you want to say. I take it as a sign from the most high. But let's move on. So I goes, the young lady uh, led us to this library where the research would take us. And uh, I began to uh, go in there and ask questions on where is your book on the history of the city. And the guy interpreted me, uh, let me know what the lady said. Basically, she said, go upstairs. And this is where I have I have uh, a picture, actually, on Facebook of me talking to this lady. But I don't have the video pasted on, on Facebook. I don't think I do. I don't. I may do, though. I don't think I do, though. Uh, but anyway, I had my camera with me, my video camera, and I had my steel camera with me. And so what I did is I asked the African gentleman, oh, I hate I missed his name up. Um, I uh, I forgot his name, but I may have it on Facebook. When I first put all this stuff on Facebook, I had a, that was years ago, and I remembered more. But anyway, watch this story, y'all. Check this out. So 
I'm up there, and I start asking this lady about the history of albinoism, and she says, she says, oh, yes, we got history, honey. We, we got history. She was very excited. She uh, went to the back. She, first, she looked in the computer, and she said, oh, yes, we got history. We got history. And so she goes to the back, okay, and she comes back with no book. So when she, when she looked in the computer, she saw something that would make her want to get up and go find these, this particular book, just like our libraries operate today off this. You know, they have all these books have a number to it. Make the long story short, when this lady came back, she had no, no books with her. And so she looked puzzled, and she looked into the computer again as, you know, like, okay, what's going on? And, you know, it didn't show that it was checked out, I'm assuming. I don't know that. I don't know that. I'm just saying the lady looked puzzled when she came back. She looked at the computer. She looked even more puzzled. And remember, she said, yes, we have books. They're in the back. And so when she began to go in the back, she didn't say, yes, they're in the back. She just said, yes, we have books. So she went to the back. Now watch this. When she come back, she looked at the computer, and she looks really startled. I'm looking at her. And she said, They've been, t- she's, you know how people is reading and talking kind of under their breath like, oh, no, 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 what is that about? She was doing that. She says, uh, they've been taken out for something to the effect that the books were removed for controversial reasons or something like that. She didn't use the word controversy. She sure did not. But she used the word that meant, she said, what she said meant that the books was taken out of the library for some reason uh, to cause to, to not cause confusion or and I was dumbfounded. So I told the guy immediately, roll the camera because we didn't expect her to say that. If I did, I had the camera rolling all along. And so he gets on film, her saying, sir, I just, I can't find anything. It's not here. The books are not here. He gets that on camera. The books are not here, but you but you got to see the way she said. If you if you see the way she said, you know that there was more conversation before that. And um, basically, what happened, folks? That lady looked in the, in the in the computer and saw that those books were there. And she got up and checked them out for whatever reason. And we know what the reason were. They took those books out for controversial reasons. Probably, you know, they probably was telling the truth. And uh, as far as what albinoism means, I mean, and I just would love to know what books was she even referred to. Now, had she brought the books forward, <laughs> probably wouldn't have been able to read them no way, but at least we would have had something and we would have had a title and we could always go look for our English edition or something. So that was the end of that pretty much. That, my friend, was the end of that. Now, some of y'all might say, well, you went way over there just to find out just that. That is absolutely the truth. I'll do it again tomorrow. I'll do it again tomorrow. And, and again, 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 if I have the time, the money, and the energy. So uh, I flew all the way there, and I felt like those two things that happened to me was a sign from the Most High that that city name had its origin in albinoism, the skin uh, disorder. We don't say disease because in the Bible, uh, albinoism or a type of leprosy that is also is 
According to Leviticus 13 and 13, uh, Leviticus 13 and 13 talks about um, vitiligo, uh, where you're losing pigmentation slowly, and then 2 Kings 5, last verse, talk about uh, people being born from um, uh, Naaman being cursed with albinism to where him and his descendants will have will be white. And it says that Naaman, who wasn't white, after he was cursed by the prophet to have this leprosy turn white as snow. And it said that this would be upon him and his descendants forever. So if somebody back then had descendants up until now, because, you know, forever would include now, how many people would that be? So and then where did, uh, I'm sorry, I keep saying name, and it's Gehazi that was cursed with the leprosy in Second Kings 5. So I said all that to say, that my trip all the way over to India, I mean, uh, Italy, I don't believe was in vain. Some people may say, well, you went way over to Albino, Italy, and that's all you got, that's all I got, because I don't speak Italian, and the brother wasn't willing, the African guy, I mean, I probably he probably would have had out of paid him, but I didn't think to try to even, because that's a lot of research on the spot there. Remember, the lady couldn't find the books that she said uh, uh, that she saw first. But then into the trip that a woman would sit there and say, Yes, we got those books, and she goes to the back and come back looking dumbfounded and then look in the computer and say they was taken out of the library for political reason or whatever she said. That, my friend, made my day. Uh, it made me know that there was something behind all that. So I continued to look around the library to find other signs of this town, this small town outside of Bergamo, Italy, outside of Milan, uh, looking for other signs of why the town was named Albino. And why there's businesses around in the town named Albino. I mean, everybody named their businesses after towns. Like if you live in Los Angeles, you might say Los Angeles Car Wash, a Los Angeles Break Shop, a Los Angeles Grocery Store. That's normal. But I thought it was very odd that people would take so much pride in the word in the name Albino or Albino, and it's spelled the exact same way, folks. A L B I N O. Can you believe it? Brother Seth went all the way to Albino, Italy. So, again, uh, very interesting travels, very interesting travel, to say the least. The most high I know put that African guy in my in my path, too. And that was another part of the revelations. Y'all may say, well, that didn't have nothing to do with the leprosy or the albinoism. Yeah, but try going somewhere and have your own interpreter there waiting for you, and if you don't plan it and pay them. This guy did this for free for me, free of charge. Stayed with me the whole day. We're talking about hours and hours and hours and hours. This guy was there with me. We took that train all the way to Bergamo, and that train cost money. Then he took a bus from Bergamo to Albino. Uh, Albino. So I think that trip was a success. Now, another thing, before I leave Milan, I stopped by this church. Uh, it's called... Uh, Oh, what is that name? This this is a a very powerful cathedral. Duga, Duga, uh, Duomo, Duomo. Did I get that right? Duomo. I think that I got that right. Duomo. It's a uh, it means cathedral. And we stopped by this Duomo in uh, Milan, and uh, this is where the little pigeons come up to you, and you can feed them out of your hand. And so I took lots of pictures on Facebook. Y'all just simply click on the Facebook link on the front page. Uh, that's blogtalkradio.com uh, slash five underscore smooth underscore songs. 
Go to their front page, click on the Facebook, and go to my travel photos, and you will see me uh, at this Duomo in uh, Milan, Italy. I go into this, yeah, that's what it's called, Duomo, D-U-O-M-O. This church got some, some very wicked history behind it. It's a long story what these Duomos are all over Italy. But anyway, so I go into this church. And, uh, again, for those of y'all just tuning in, uh, again, you listen to Brother Seth. This is uh, Five Smooth Stones. You know, normally we do with the, deal with the, a new world order. Tonight we're having a special show where I'm finishing up what I started on Tuesday, a show that we call Enlightenment on My Travels All Over the World. And last Tuesday I talked about international uh, people, places, and things that have changed me, helped mold me. And tonight I'm finishing that up. We're going to talk about the uh, other international places I've been, other international people, places, and things. Also, we're going to talk about some domestic people, places, and things that have just profoundly changed me. And also we'll talk about some influential people, some of y'all call them celebrities, that I've met that uh, have uh, influenced me as well. Sometimes it was nothing more than encouragement. Sometimes it was a little more than that. So we'll talk about that. Okay, so anyway, that goes into this Duomo. And, and, and it's, I mean, y'all got to, you got to, if you're online right now, type in the word D, D-U-O-M-O uh, on Google and look at a picture of the Duomo, uh, the, the main one that's in um, Milan. It is beautiful. But the history of this place is just wicked. If you just did a Google search and image, look down at that second image, click on that, I'll stood right in front of that building. It's like a white building, a bunch of, uh, I don't know what you call those, little uh, steeples or whatever. But anyway, uh, I go in and see this priest, and all these images are everywhere. Images, images, images. You know, Europe is filled with them, especially Italy. And all these white images, and it kind of, you know, because, again, I'm on this search for history anyway, so I thought I'd go in and ask some questions. I wasn't being rude. I just, you know, people ask questions all the time. So I go in and I ask them. I say, listen, uh, uh, Rabbi, I mean, he wasn't a rabbi, excuse me. He was a priest. I just said, I just, I don't even think I address him as a priest. I just said I have a question. And he says, yes, go ahead. I say, um, do y'all have any uh, uh, black images in this church of, of, uh, of the ancient people of Israel, uh, Christ, any type of uh, uh, images of African people? Very bold question, you know. Everybody ain't going to have the guts to ask that, but I'll figure this. I figure this. When you go in a museum or a church like that, because it's nothing more than a museum for real, any priest, anybody should accommodate you and, and try to answer it as best you can, especially if you were as kind as I was. And so I asked this question, and this gentleman looked at me, then looked away and ignored me. And I remember I'm with my African friend. We're there. He's very respectful. We're looking around. you got to be in this solemn mood, you know, because it's very quiet and you know, it's a temple, you know, they got this music in the background, you know. So we go in there, very quiet, very mannerable, you know. And I thought it was a very good question. But this priest 
looked away and would not give us eye contact as if to say, I'm not even going to recognize y'all. That to me was just another confirmation. When when I run into people like that, they do more encouraging me than discouraging me. The best thing he could have did if he did not believe in uh, African Americans or blacks in the Bible or the the Jesus that his Pope bowed down every to every day to. You know, the Pope has a, a black Madonna in his uh, I think in his bedroom. A black Madonna with the child Christ that he bows down to I hear every day. I think it's in his bedroom. You know, and so, and so it's not off it's not crazy to ask such a question, especially when it's the truth. So anyway, that was my experience with Italy. Moving right along, Italy, Italy, Italy. I enjoyed it. Some other things have happened there, but I won't go into it. Uh, well, let's see. Should I go into it? Uh, I did see some Africans there right outside of the uh, uh, Milan train station, heavy African population. But anyway, that's that's irrelevant. They didn't do anything to influence the five topics we talk about all the time on Blog Talk Radio, so I'm not going to spend too much time on that. So anyway, let's move right along, folks. Now, um, I want to go ahead and talk about another place I visited. And uh, I actually hit on it last week, and that was uh, Papua New Guinea. One of the things that I failed to mention when I talk about Papua New Guinea Guinea is a young brother, well, he wasn't a young guy, an older gentleman I met uh, there at the airport at uh, Port Moresby Airport. I walked in there, and Rum Pandy was doing something, and I happened to see this gentleman. He was very dark-skinned, and that's why I walked up to this guy, because he was so dark. And, and remember, I, I take these trips, and one of the reasons I go some places is I'm just curious. Folks, I just want to know truth. Whatever it is, I'm willing to accept it. I just want to know truth. I do not trust the American media. They will have... You hating yourselves, and they will be having you hating your brothers and sisters. I'm talking about not just uh, African Americans, but uh, your white brothers and sisters, because that's what they do. That's what the powers that be that controls these stations uh, want. And, uh, because when you can divide, you can conquer. Some of y'all don't believe that, but it's the honest to God truth. These people are very powerful and they're very wicked, and they are. Possessed or directed by Satan, I believe himself, or evil spirits, I should say. Make the long story short. Just, just bear with me here. So anyway, I goes into um, a message, um, airport to this very dark-skinned guy. Now, y'all listen to this. This guy, I asked him, how are you doing, sir? You know, I'm just making conversation because I'm curious. i got to know why is this guy as dark as he is. Nobody in Papua New Guinea... I saw was that dark. Um, uh, I found out later if they were that dark, they were from the same place. He's from a place called Bougainville, Bougainville, B-O-G-A-I-N-V-I-L-L-E, Bougainville. And now you got to understand what Bougainville is. Bougainville is this island. If you do some research on Bougainville, you'll find out they was in a fierce battle with the Europeans for the same thing we're fighting in the United States. 
Now, I didn't ask him, how did y'all arrive at your island? But uh, because I was so moved by, I got side, I'm just going to be honest with you, I was sidetracked by just how dark this man was. I mean, I, I just don't see that many people that dark nowhere ever. And so he was beginning to share with me that how everybody on that in that uh, country was his hue, his skin color. And I said, really? So, you know me, i got to verify everything people say because you just never know. Folks will tell you stuff and it'll be wrong. So I went ahead and researched it. I mean, he should know he's from there, but still I want to see it for myself. And lo and behold, if you look up Bougainville right now, Bougainville, it's an island right outside Australia, right outside Papua New Guinea, excuse me, you will see some of the darkest people on the planet. All of them is that huge. How and why they're that, I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. I bet you money. If I, now, and I'm not a bet man, I just talk, say that. But I bet if I did research, I guarantee you, they're probably got to that uh, island from Africa uh, in slave ships. I will put money on it. And I bet you, if I did research, those whites that rule in their land will probably have them going through some of the same things we're going through. And if they are, and they continue to meet other qualifications or other characteristics or other prophecies that's mentioned in Deuteronomy 28. You know where I'm going with this. They are nothing more than one of those scattered lost tribes. Okay? But I wanted, I brought this up to share with y'all that you know how we talk about racism and how it's universal and and uh, how that uh, there are black people all over the world that are going through this. And this is not just an American thing. We talk about racism so, so much on this show. But here it is, and I mean, these people into a, a fight with these Europeans. They're dying, and they're fighting, and I mean, it's just brutal. And uh, But you know what? I could be wrong. Maybe they wasn't brought there in slave ships. They could be some of the natives, you know. But I'm just saying, these are some of the people I've talked to that have shared stories. And I can't tell you everything right now because we're doing a short version. We're not focusing on just this particular brother. But... Uh, this is just to show y'all that racism is real, that Europeans, are, uh, not all Europeans, but a lot of them are going all over the world, and they're a fulfilling prophecy without them even knowing what, what the prophecy says. Europe is doing what Europe has been called to do, and the Most High have called this country, called this nation, and just like he did in Jeremiah 1, just like he did in the book of Joel, chapter 2, he talks about a nation from the north that he would call to chastise the entire world. Read it for yourself. Do not take my word for it. I can be deceived. I can be ignorant. I can be uneducated. Read it for yourself. I guarantee if you read Jeremiah 1, you're going to see where the Most High said that he will call a nation from the north. He says it like this. He will call all of the families of the nations of the north into Jerusalem, okay? And he will utter his judgments against his people. He said he will scatter them throughout the four corners. That's in other parts of the Bible. But Jeremiah 1 talks about him sending all of the nations north of Israel, all of the families, as we call it, into Jerusalem, judging 
his people, the chosen so-called Jews or Israelites or Hebrews. All right? But other parts of the Bible, it talks about it in a more clear way. That's clear to me. That's crystal clear. But it, other parts of the Bible, it'll say the north. Okay? Joel 2 says they could come from the north. But even Jeremiah says all the nations of the north. So there's two scriptures right there, two passages uh, where you can see clearly that the most have called these people from the north to occupy, to rule, to enslave. And he went on to say in Joel 2 that they were to be destructive. Yet he called them, he calls them his army, but yet they are destructive. But yet he calls them his army, but yet he said they are destructive. So those of y'all that don't believe the most how will do such a thing, read up on this. We get a strong concordance and look at the look up the word north, N-O-R-T-H, and look at how many times he said a whirlwind coming from the north, a wicked nation coming from the north, woe he that coming from the north. But then he goes on to say that he called them. See, when the most high people act up, he often used other nations to chastise his nation. But these people from the north, it's even, it's even worse than that because he actually said that nobody, nobody on the planet is going to escape these people. So a lot of what we've seen is coming out of Europe and European dominance is strictly biblical. It's not racist. It's biblical. It's biblical. The Most High has called them for a season, for a season, the good news is I believe that season is over with. But I cannot deny that like, like a lot of them say that they have been called of the most high to do what they do. I can't deny that. It's all throughout the book. We just got to know that the most high is behind it and not them. The most high is the one that's come against his people because his people turn their back on him. This is Bible all Day long. Moving right along, talking about different nations, talking about other countries I've been to. Uh, again, that was in Papua New Guinea, a uh, young man from Bougainville. Bougainville. Uh, y'all check out last week's show. Uh, and again, for those of y'all just tuning in, I did accidentally uh, cancel that show, but Blog Talk, I left a message for them to look into reinstating that part one. Part one, I dealt with the countries. Hopefully, I won't have to do that show again because I cannot say think to say everything I said, but I have to do it again, I'll do it again. Anyway, I want to talk about another thing actually I mentioned last week. Uh, after that show went off, I thought about a few things that I missed. When I was talking about the Marshall Islands, the Marshall Islands, I actually forgot one of the places we stopped in this, that's called Majaro. Majaro. Majaro was a place, uh, again, it's one of the Marshall Islands that uh, I actually got a chance to visit. And uh, when we make these stops in places uh, uh, in the Marsh Islands like Majaro and Kwajalein, and also I went to the uh, Micronesia, stopped in a place called Chuka Truck, and uh, it baffled my mind how dark these people were. You know that 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 whole Pacific Ocean, those islands of the ocean. Some of y'all know this. And you'll think this is ABC, but some people don't know it. you got to remember a lot of people don't know this. But those islands are, I would say, 99% non-white. 
And in most cases, a lot of cases, they're going to be dark-skinned people. And I didn't know that. I was one of those persons that just didn't know it. Ain't no other way, no excuse for it. I simply did not know that. When we was in Majaro, I got off the plane, and uh, another one of those islands where when it's landing, you look out one window, you see water, you look out the other window, you see nothing but water. It's crazy thing. You, you're thinking to yourself, what are we landing on if I see water on the left side and water on the right side? You literally see water, no land. On the left, out of the left side of the window, the left side of the aircraft, the right side of the aircraft, nothing but water, no land. And the little strip of land that is there, you're landing on it. And, and God forbid, if you don't stop before that island ends. <laughs> anyway, so we landed in Majora. I got off and talked with the people. And, I mean, I had to, you know, uh, I was just curious to just learn. I wanted to just know everything about Majaro, and I began to ask key questions. And uh, one of the things they shared with me was that the the islands that you could see, because you could see these little tiny islands, they weren't tiny, but you could see these islands, I guess about, they kind of lined up, it's really weird. And you could see these all these little islands, and somebody was telling me how those islands was owned by a white lady. And I just, and they were trying to tell me about her and everything, and I my mind just did one of those freezes, like, what? We're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and you're telling me that you're European. Oh, and you start thinking to yourself, how, how does a, a person from Europe wind up owning the bulk of these islands down here? So you just know some kind of way it's corruption. You just know it. And uh, that was something I'll never forget. And the guy was trying to tell me about that, and and I just couldn't help but to just go there. And I be, couldn't help but to notice also what they was wearing. Here we are in the middle of, of the Pacific. Y'all have to, you know, uh, Google Majaro, M-A-J-A-R-O, and see how, see what I'm talking about, about the middle of the Pacific. And there you are, and you still, you still affected by Europeans and their dominance. Because y'all know. Anyway, so I may say, well, maybe some people, native people had it and they bought it from them. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. But I, I, I doubt it because that's not the way Europeans do. Go someplace, see something, buy it. Oftentimes when they see something, it's took them. And I could be wrong. Maybe they did buy it. But, uh, I would, if I was a bad man again, I would say that that's not the case, especially with people that seem to be what some people call uneducated. They're very educated in their own culture, but they may not be savvy and, you know, easy to trick, you know. <sighs> anyway, that was Majaro. And, oh, I forgot the main thing. Uh, another thing I was going to say is how these people uh, look, had afros, very dark skin, and they wore American-style clothing, very influenced by American culture, even way out in the uh, Marshall Islands. That was a trip. Okay, moving right along, moving right along. Uh, I want to talk about um, India. 
Uh, actually, I talked about India enough last show. We won't do India. Well, let's talk about Guam. Guam. Guam was an interesting trip. You know, Guam was a trip that that actually that was a miracle that I call it a miracle. Y'all might not call it a miracle. But I definitely call it a miracle. I went to Guam, and <laughs> my wife said before I left that she had a friend in Cincinnati that moved to Guam, and she said, you might happen to run up on him if you do. I say, Arlene, there's no way in the world I'm going to run out of all these millions of people in Guam. I'm going to run into your friend. It's just unheard of. It's like you say you're going to Japan and say hi to my friend there. It ain't going to happen. I don't know your friend. I don't know how to meet him. So i got to tell you this story before I forget. <laughs> I did go to Guam. I had a good time. and ended up meeting a friend of mine. i uh, been to Guam actually several times, but this is one of the the time I remember the most because of my supervisor, uh, Tom Delgado from Continental, actually accompanied me on the trip. It just was one of those flukes. Remember, the most high, I keep telling y'all, he'll set me up with people. I mean, it ain't just the travel. It's, it's who I meet. It's, it's what they say, things they share. Uh, you know, um, anyway, moving right along. So I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm going to go on, and I found out, I'm on a plane, I see my supervisor, and he says, I said, are you going to Guam? He said, yeah. And I was thinking, I don't know if I want to be hanging out with him, because, you know, that whole supervisor thing, you don't know if you want if he's going to be cool or not on the trip. So and he probably was thinking the same thing. I don't know if I want Seth to hang with me, because, you know, we have this working relationship, and I might not like him. But it ended up working out beautifully. I met his wife, uh, his girlfriend, and all I picked up. No, it ain't even his girlfriend. He says his friend, but it's, it's it seemed awfully close for friends. But anyway, I probably shouldn't have said that because he may listen to the show one day. But anyway, Mr. Delgado accompanied me on the Guam trip and ended up taking me all over that island. Now, I told you I've been before, but I've been before with Reverend Pandy, and it's very limited. We don't know a whole lot as far as Guam. So, But that Mr. Delgado and his friend took us places, beautiful places, Lover's Point, where he's Legend has it that these two young people, very much in love, parents uh, said they had to split, and they were so hurt and devastated by it, they decided to tear their hair in a knot, tear their, uh, put their hair in a knot, and jump off this point, jump off this peak in Guam. I think it's the tallest peak in Guam. Uh, and so they jump off this um, mountain, I guess you can call it, and they built this really nice, um, just type in Lover's Point, Guam, and you can see you can see it better than I can tell you. But it's a very nice little area at the top on, on the peak of this mountain and uh, or this hill or whatever you call it. And we went up there and went all over Guam. Guam is so modern, so new, so nice. It's so clean. And then there's an old Guam that's, almost like you're back in the uh, Bush days. Not Bush days, not that back. It's not that. Uh, uh, it's more like uh, just old Guam, very rural. We'll just say rural, stick with that. But, I mean, a lot of people burning, uh, you know, in these, a lot of these countries, uh, they'll be burning a bunch of things uh, before they get rid of the wood. And, uh, and there was a lot of, uh, I'm just smelling that, Smell that smell in Papua New Guinea and a lot of other places I go. 
but the way he burned a lot of things. But anyway, we just got to go all over Guam. And another thing, I'm glad I thought about this, but in Guam, we was driving, and this place is so beautiful, y'all. Please go to Facebook and look at my Guam pictures. But there was this, uh, I mean, just you, you, you're standing on the ground, and you're looking at these places, and you can't help how beautiful it is. And again, y'all probably saying, what does this have to do with five What does this have to do with the five topics you talk about? I'm about to go there. I'm standing on this ground. I'm saying to myself, man, this is so beautiful. It's like I'm not even, I'm looking at a picture, uh, a postcard. It's how beautiful Guam was. And the rural parts, all over really, especially in the downtown area too. But I saw these gigantic pictures. It was like, I know, a good 15 feet of Christ. And if you see these photos of our I don't even know what you call them, billboards, really. But they like a life size, slightly bigger than a life size uh, portrait of Christ. And uh, very little words on it. Mainly it's gigantic pictures, what is here, more than a few words that's on, the, on, that's on there. And they're all over rural Guam. And you think to yourself, what were these missionaries thinking? I mean, what does it have to do with Christ? What does it have to do with the gospel? Oh, my goodness, y'all got to see that. Maybe one day I can find one on Google and, and, and I'll let you see it. But I know what they're doing with those images. It's more than pushing the, pushing the gospel. And this is what actually is ruining the churches, these images. John of the scripture said that we're not supposed to even have these images of Christ's deity, uh, images of, of, of deity. Y'all know that? Yeah, pictures of Moses and the patriarchs, but you're not supposed to have any images of Christ or what you think the Father looked like. You're not supposed to. So that's one of the main commandments, one of the ten commandments. No graven images. Anyway, moving right along, I want I thought about something uh, I just forgot that was Guam. That was Guam. Guam had a lot of more experiences. I'm trying to give you out a short version. If I think of something, I'll bring it back up. My mind is kind of a little tired, to be honest with y'all. But Guam was was a blessing. I went there several times. Different the time I go there, every time I go to different experiences. So I have to just think for a minute, and I'll think of something else in, in Guam. But I want to jump back over to Papua New Guinea for some I forgot to share with y'all about. Again, things that have enlightened me on my travels around the world. Now, we're in Papua New Guinea. Reverend Candy decides that he wants me to stay with these missionaries. I mean, you know, being a minister myself, and he is one, we did, he decided this is where I want you to stay. You don't, you don't like this. Uh, I did not want to stay with him because Reverend Pandy wanted to see his people in Highland, uh of Papua New Guinea, and I did not want to go there. I know electricity. I mean, they live back like they did thousands of years ago. I mean, when it get dark, it get dark. He talked about the snakes. They were everywhere. He mentioned. I just decided. He said, you know what? Brother said, I want you to just stay here. So I did. I'm so glad that I stayed with those missionaries because I have been hearing about missionaries on the battlefield, missionaries here are missionaries there, what they do, the monies we send at these churches, and this was a very large mission 
camp, if you will. So I walks in here, and it's predominantly white people, older people, some a few young people, but mostly older. I was so glad that I got this experience after it was all over with. Look, they, uh, you know, we paid them and all because it still cost, and uh, the rooms were nice. I mean, shower, anything you can think of, TV, newspapers from all over the world. Nice place, y'all. And that was part of my problem. It's nothing wrong to have the nice things, but you got to see how these people lived. They lived in a fenced-off area. It was a it was a very strong statement that we are different from these people. That's all I can get from that from living there. And I never the the people that was there. I never saw them go out. Never saw them go out and do no ministry. Nobody never invited me to go and do ministry. There was no talk of ministry. I didn't overhear any conversations about ministry. I never saw nothing like things you think missionaries would have on a mission field. I'm sure they probably had them there somewhere. I didn't look in every single closet. But, I mean, you know how it is when you're on a mission field. You have your pamphlets. You have this. You have that. I never saw no sign that these people ever leave that place. And, I mean, this was a place with a lot of rooms. A lot of people there from all over the world calling themselves missionaries, ministers. They had three breakfasts, three three, three uh, meals a day. Nobody invited me to any meal. Nobody. I mean, I felt such a strong sense of racism. I tried to get them pen to understand just because people like you, you meet them somewhere at some convention, they don't mean they want you to stay with them. He had a hard time understanding, but before it was over with, Rampan understood what I was saying. I began to point out little things. I was saying some people, you know, they they don't like nothing different. And remember last week, Tuesday, those of y'all that's listening that listened to last week's show, I mean our Tuesday night show, remember I talked about the young white gentleman that befriended me at the U.S. Embassy in uh, Papua New Guinea, Port Moresby, Moresby. And uh, he let me know that his uncle ran that uh, embassy and that his uncle would on purpose give his superiors false information about how uh, Port Morrisby, Papua New Guinea, was a place that was just horrible. He was having a horrible time, lots of crime, lots of bloodshed, you know, thievery. And so... Nobody wanted to come there inside the State Department. And this was all a lie that this gentleman was telling me. He felt like his uncle was lying. He said that his uncle told him that he said this so people would not want to come there because he liked living in Port Morrisby. And he did not want to ever leave. And he knew that if he said something good about the place and told him the truth, Everybody would want to come there, and they would bump him out because of his seniority. <laughs> I don't know whether to believe that. I don't know if it's true or if this this uncle was just simply lying.
because whatever this uncle says, this is what the United Nations, this is the information they're going to have, and this is how we get our information when we Google things. That's why you got to be careful Googling things all the time. We would be getting a false image of that place. I saw no signs of violence. No, I don't think I saw no signs of anything less than love, uh, countrymen loving each other while I was there. But I did see some poverty. My goodness. But I also saw some wealth. And guess who was taking the wealth? I saw some mining going on. I saw some people doing a lot of business on the shores of Port Moresby, various places we would go where there was large bodies of water. I would see the Australians there doing their thing. Rampanda was in denial. Sorry, Rampanda, if you're listening. He was in denial. And I had to let him know. He said, Brother Seth, all my life, all we have ever been taught is white people were good for us because they, you know, came there trying to tell us about their religion and different things. And you know, keep in mind, they already had the Bible there because Rampanda and his people actually follow the Old Testament. So, he said he uh, always had heard good things about them, and I began to let them know it was different. It's just because people come and share with you the gospel, missionaries, it don't necessarily mean that they don't they don't see you as an equal, and that your friendships with them is lopsided. They are there to only share their faith. They don't want to hear about your faith. Your faith may be stronger than their faith. Your experience with the Most High may be actually better. But they don't want to hear your version. They just want to teach you their version. So I began to start sharing with him racism again. We're talking about five smooth stones around the world. I began to share with him. And Panda was so impressed. He really began to listen to me. We had been spending a whole lot of time. We had just went to Japan together in route to Papua New Guinea. The long way, of course. But we did. We had to go to Guam and uh and the reader. So Rem Panning up taking me to, believe it or not, their Congress was is equivalent to our our Capitol Hill. You know how you have Capitol Hill where all the uh politicians are Rem Panning took me to Papua New Guinea's Capitol Hill. And I have a picture of that on Facebook. And he wanted me to share with the officials there this concept that I had on Caucasian. And I was blown away that he would that he would think that there was something to even talk about it. It would seem like to be common knowledge. And again, this is not all white people. I'm not I'm not on no hate thing, y'all. I'm just being very real. Europeans have went all over the world with this. Do you love Jesus message? And you look up, you say yes to Jesus, you think, and you look up and you don't own nothing, you don't run, and they're taking over your country, they're taking over everything. They went into Africa, waving the Bible, and just exploiting everything from those people to this day. So, yes, we welcome Christ. We welcome Yahweh, Son, in our hearts, in our minds, in our culture, absolutely. But we do not 
and you should not, even to my white brothers and sisters. If I can say white, because y'all know I don't even believe in the concept of white and black. As much as I talk about it, it's only so y'all know what I'm talking about, but I don't even believe in that. We really all all one family, different degrees of melanin. But even if you find yourself with less melanin or a white person, you should say yes to Christ and no to white supremacy because the Bible were not full of white people. And it's either you should not put up any images or you should put up images of people like Moses, the proper uh, representation of who they were. Anyway, moving right along, I don't want to get off on that too much. So let's talk about Brazil. Brazil was, uh, y'all know St. Paulo is probably the largest city in the world. It's out of them, Tokyo and Mexico, Mexico City, largest cities in the world, largest cities in the world. I got a chance to go to St. Paulo. I didn't spend a lot of time there because I was en route to Rio. Got to Rio de Janeiro. I wanted to go because I've heard so many lies about, uh, and I knew there was lies. I knew it just couldn't be true. So I wanted to go and see Rio, the culture, the people, looking for people, places, and things, just researching, going out there looking to get knowledge and to also be the tourist. Well, I went there, went to all of the different tracks in Christ Mountain, uh, where the big statues took a picture of Paris on Facebook. Check out my Brazil photos. But something I got to see that was very important to me was Carnival. And I know y'all thinking right now, y'all mind, Carnival? Carnival? Ain't that a place where everybody would run around with topless? And I knew beyond a shot of doubt well, I didn't know beyond a shadow doubt, but I was I suspected that the media again lied about these people. And when I went to Carnival it was just like I thought. Folks, Carnival, I don't think I saw one person with topless. Not one. I did see a whole lot of children, families at Carnival at the stadium. I saw every float that went past. I saw it from beginning to end. I don't think I left early. I know I left, came in when all people came in, left when all people left. I saw the whole thing the day I was there. I didn't see none of the crazy stuff y'all hear about. People have been lying on African people for a very long time. This is why you cannot trust the American media on nothing. And, again, I, I, forget, I forget about my people in the chat room and on the phone lines. Please, if you have any questions or comments, please press 1 on your on the phone. In the chat room, uh, just comment, okay? I'm, I'm not really watching the chat room like I normally do because I really am trying to cover so much tonight. This is the most stuff I've ever covered on the show. Tonight's show, I have a whole lot of stuff, and I'm not going fast enough because I keep thinking of things to say. But Carnival was nothing like y'all hear about. Those people was clothed. They was having a good time. It was a family-type environment. Sorry. We didn't lie to. Don't trust nothing you see. I know now sometimes they'll show pictures and stuff. I don't know where they'll get those pictures from. I'm telling y'all. 
I walked all around Carnival because I was just meeting people. You know how I am. Being a little amateur. I'm not even say amateur because knowledge is knowledge. We have to get it, you know. So anyway, that was Brazil. Had a wonderful time in Brazil. Went down on Copacabana Beach. That's where they was dressed more skimpy. But I'm talking about Carnival was nothing like that. And um, I'm trying to think what else relating to five smooth stones about my Brazil trip do I need to share with y'all. But anyway, moving right along, I also had a chance to go to Thailand. Wasn't there alone. I wasn't there alone to research anything. Uh just happened to mention I have it down here. But I did have a chance to go there. I'm trying to think if there was anything that I, because Thailand was major for me. I really wanted to do the Hebrew uh, thing where I go and look at the different ethnos, the ethnic people that was there. But my trip ended up being short and I thought. So anyway, we'll move on because that's not nothing related there. Because um, we got to also cover domestic. And it's 1229. I got 30 minutes. So I got to wrap up international start talking about domestic because y'all probably like that more than it's international. Because that's where a lot of action happens is in the States. But anyway, um, let's talk about um uh, let's talk about Canada, even though it's right above us. Canada was very influential in influencing the five smooth stones. Remember, this is when I met the brother on the train that uh, I asked. We got to talk about, you know, racism and different things. And he said to me, well, you know, white people come from uh, lepers. And I, and I thought that was the most harsh, racist thing I ever heard. I blew him off, didn't pay him no mind, just forgot you know, because I don't, and I run the people not thinking full of hate. I can't, I don't have no room for them. Because my Bible tells me whatsoever is not done out of love is a sin. Whatsoever is not done out of love is a sin. So when he said, you know, why you come from lepers, I just blew him off. But he did plant that seed. And then later on, I was in Columbus, Ohio, and a man who I know loved everybody, a preacher, minister, pastor, I think he's a pastor, he said the very same thing. Well, you know, white skin come from uh, it's a form of leprosy, and I said, you know, I heard somebody in Toronto tell me the same thing. Where are y'all getting that from? And the guy told me Leviticus 13. And this is when I began to start researching Leviticus 13. And I realized Leviticus 13 and 13 talks about al- uh, uh, albinoism, uh, losing pigmentation slowly, it has nothing to do with source plus all. It's, it's talking about losing pigmentation slowly. And then it mentions something called raw flesh, which is nothing more than flesh you can see through. That's all it means. People, you know, you see some people, you can actually almost see through their skin. That's all raw flesh. It don't have nothing to do with, with uh, you know, blood, gut, none of that. Again, white skin is a type of albinoism. I mean, excuse me, a type of leprosy. Remember, Moses' hand became leprous as snow, leprous as snow, and Moses' hand, Bible says the, the most high, tell him to put your hand in your bosom, he put his hand in his bosom, he pulled it out, and his, the Bible says his hand had become leprous as snow, leprous as snow. Why did he use the word leprous to describe something that's as snow? As snow, you know what the answer to that is, too. Some of y'all make this so complicated. You know the voice inside of your head right now telling you the truth. Leprosy just means white. Leprous as snow. And some of you say, well, that's not what that means. Most of it mean like that. Why do you use the same verbiage for Miriam when she was smitten with leprosy? Who is Miriam? Miriam is Moses' sister, and she had issues with Moses. 
because he married outside of his tribe. And she was smitten with the same thing. The Bible says these exact words, and Miriam became leprous as snow. Two times in the Bible it says leprous as snow. Anyway, that original thought came from a gentleman while I was in Toronto. Now, Canada was powerful. Canada, I met so many wonderful people. I'm thinking of uh, Kirk and Minerva and uh, Miss Maxine Smith, lots of powerful church-going people. Uh, just still remember spending time with them at the CN Tower. At that time, it was one of the tallest buildings in the world. Uh, Niagara Falls going over. I mean, Canada was, uh, and then not too, not too long ago, that was the last trip I took was to Vancouver, what's the Seattle-Vancouver trip. And uh, so Canada has been a blessing, moving right along. Um, I want to talk about these pictures on the slideshow real quick. On my slideshow for this show right now, if you're listening to this show, you're looking at us online, you should be seeing a picture of of um, Oscar Robinson. You should see Candace Staten. You should see C.T. Vivian. Uh, C.T. Vivian is a gentleman that walked with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King just get all the credit, but he had people like Jesse Jackson, Abernathy, C.T. Vivian, uh, Shuttlesworth. These are powerful pioneers, and C.T. Vivian was right up there with him. It's a picture of him. I met him on it. On a, I've talked about this on the show several times, so y'all should remember the story about C.T. Vivian. Uh, did I mention him? I think I actually mentioned him on Tuesday, so I'm not going to talk about him, but I did want to put his picture up because I talked about him on Tuesday, but I didn't put up a picture. So anyway, that's C.T. Vivian. Oscar Robinson, obviously a great Oscar Robinson basketball player, had a wonderful conversation with him. Now I'm jumping to uh, the domestic side of the trip. I think I've covered all the international Venezuela, I uh, talked about that last on Tuesday. Puerto Rico, uh, talked about that on Tuesday. England, uh, England, I'll just cover this real quick. Great Britain, uh, uh, England to be exact, was one of those trips that just really exposed the uh, Europeans. Um, I saw um, it's spiritual, folks. It's spiritual. Some of y'all, many of y'all been to Europe, and uh, so this won't be a mystery to you. I do have friends there from Demona, uh, Israelites. They have a strong, strong Israelite community there, and uh, lots of people that believe that black people, certain black people all over the planet, are the true, real Israelites. Now, I must say that a lot of them do believe that some people that live in Israel that they call themselves Jews are really indeed the true Jews. But the vast majority, when I say the vast majority, I do mean like probably 90% or higher or not, that Israel is in exile, scattered throughout the four corners. And if the planet is 92% non-white and Israel has been scattered throughout the 92%, excuse me, the uh, four corners of the planet. I'm going to say it again. If white is only 8%, that means the rest of the world is 92%. 
If Israel has been scattered and they have been scattered, it's all throughout the Bible many times. I will scatter you among all nations. I will scatter you among all nations. I will scatter you among all nations because they was disobedient. If the planet is predominantly dark-skinned people or non-white, what should Israel look like? Lots of friends in German, I mean, uh, um, um, England, that is a part of the Hebrew nation. Big numbers. And I just had a ball there. I visited a place called Leicester Square. And uh, just know that a lot of what Brother Seth, especially when I was in Des Moines and I met these people, a lot of words, a lot of encouragement, a lot of information, a lot of facts have been conveyed through a lot of my friends in in England, okay? The Netherlands, the Netherlands. I did visit the Netherlands, uh, Holland to be exact, and uh, can't really say there were a lot of Africans. The Africans' presence is very strong in Holland. All I can say is that the Africans there, again, white supremacy is so strong in England and Great Britain, I mean, uh, in, in England and uh, the Netherlands, Holland. It's just black is so sub, such a sub people. At least they are. That's what they want to present them like. I remember very distinctly having to cuss, almost, I should say, cuss somebody. I probably did cuss him out, but I was so upset with this guy. Uh, right there in, uh, I went to, uh was in Holland, and I forget what this guy asked me. He asked me if I wanted to buy something, sell me something. And I told him, no, I was very nice, very kind, and I was walking away, and he mentioned the word nigger. Something it just was totally uncalled for, totally demonic. I should have laughed and walked away with something that obviously demonic. You don't even pay that no mind, but it got to me. I ain't gonna lie. And I went back and I told this man off and let him know, how can you ever think you're better than me when you work on a job like you work on? And I just, just I know I put something in his mind anyway. Very bad experience in Holland. Very bad experience, strong racism. Africans there uh, just remind me kind of the, uh, the Aborigines and in, in, uh, in, uh, Cairns. Uh, I know they spell it like C-A-R-I-N-S, Cairns, Australia. But those barefoot uh, Aborigines and the way they was treated, the second thoughts, that's kind of where I, I picked up the spirit in Holland. I did get dropped some science though by a young lady that brought a nice can a nice looking black woman young lady i never will forget she did uh she dropped some science on me when she gave me a little history of the slave trade of in holland this is what i mean by meeting key people in key places and dropping stuff on you that Maybe you wouldn't have heard other places, but she was. I probably could have found this out in books and research, but I didn't. I found out through her. What she was saying was that the slave owners in Holland were the worst. They was the most brutal, and they were the last ones to give up slavery. Did y'all know that? Holland was the last 
slave merchants to give up the trade and that they was the harshest to humans. She was beginning to break that down and talk about that. It was really nice talking to her. Just remind me all this stuff just coming back. Very interesting experience. Again, these are people, places, and things that I think uh, the most high place in my path that have just changed me, influenced me, and I believe these people. I don't think, I mean, I just don't think the most high will put some liars, but I did, I ain't going to lie, verify behind all of them. I did. I always do. I get curious and I want to know more about what they said. Now I'll go home and when I get back to the States and do more research. Hong Kong was very interesting. This is where I actually sat out with a couple, shared with them. I got a picture of this on my Facebook for real. I was there in Hong Kong sharing with this uh, couple, a uh, black man, and I was letting him know that if his forefathers arrived there in, the, in that area of the world on slave shipping, if they, as a people, had went through this, and if, if, and if they, as a people, had went through that, and if they, as a people, had experienced this, and if they, as a people, had fulfilled the prophecies of Deuteronomy 28, that they was nothing more than Israelites, Jews. And uh, he bought my dinner there. It was actually McDonald's, but still, I wanted something I was familiar with. So I went to McDonald's. Whenever I go places and, and I don't want to eat the native foods, I just go to McDonald's. So there we are at McDonald's and in Hong Kong, and this black brother and his little girlfriend, I'm there at the table just sharing with them these five smooth stones. China was kind of a letdown because there was a language barrier, and... Uh, Everybody kept saying, you went to the wrong place. You went to Beijing. Oh, you should have went to Shanghai. Shanghai is where there's dark Chinese. And they began to educate me and let me know these are dark Chinese people. They've been living there forever. Kind of like India. I went to India. I went to North India, Agra, and uh, New Delhi. And they said this, uh, the the darker skinned uh, Indians is down south where they claim to be Hebrews or Jews. There's several people in India that claim to be the true Jews that keep the feast days, the Shabbat and all that, and they're in I mean, in uh, South uh, India, uh, near uh, Mumbai, Mumbai uh, what they used to call Bombay. So anyway, China was a letdown. I mean, but I did go there, and I did I researched and tried to look for people there because there are dark-skinned Chinese there. They don't have to be dark-skinned. But in most cases, they're going to be dark-skinned, and uh, and they will have been brought there by slave ships. And, 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 and believe me, China has black Israelites just like anywhere else. they got dark-skinned people that's Chinese. And there's a lot of stuff online. If you want, if you, if you don't, if you want to take me to task, just go go here right now. You've got your computers up. Type in black Jews in China. Type it in, and you'll get your education right there on the spot. Okay, black Israelites or black Jews. Try black Jews first, and then just look at China. And they, there they are. They're going to look just like Chinese. They're going to have slanted eyes and everything, and they're going to be sitting up there with froze, a uh, 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 kinky hair. It's there. I'm telling you. If you have any questions on any of these things, y'all give me a call. Those of you on the phone lines, press 1. I can answer questions. Those of you on the phone line, type in your question, and we'll address them. I ain't running from nobody tonight. Okay. Uh, moving right along, we talked about Guam. We talked about Australia. We talked about Papua New Guinea. We talked about Brazil. Thailand, I wasn't there long enough. Uh, Ethiopia, we talked about Ethiopia. Spain, Madrid, that was just uh, in and out. Didn't get a chance to really 
went to Mad- went to Israel from Madrid one time uh, en route to Israel. And uh, so anyway, we only got like 15 minutes, so let me try the best. I don't know why I did this, but let's finish talking about the slideshow. I'm going super fast now. Y'all think I was going fast earlier. So Beverly Todd, again, is a person, a celebrity. I'm talking about the slideshow with these these pictures. Beverly Todd is a movie star. She's been in the bucket list and six feet under and a thousand other movies, okay? She goes to Israel every single week. She's low-key. You don't even know she's who she is. Somebody has to tell you because she don't want to know art. She will sign an autograph, but they, they, they don't, nobody asks for autographs in Israel. And so many people go there, celebrities go there, until Slice in the one time told me, she said, because I was riding in first class, not trying to boast, and just letting y'all know, you'll see why I said that when I tell the story. But uh, this woman asked me, she says, uh, are you a celebrity? I said, why do you ask me that? She says, because when people say they're going to Demona and they're flying to Israel, they know them as a celebrity. I said, are you serious? She said, yeah. So there's a lot of people. But you look, Listen to this list and you'll understand what I mean by that. This is just some of the people that I know that have been to Israel. Uh, I know that Winnie Mandela been there. I know that Farrakhan has been there. I know that Erica Badu has been there. I know that black mayors have had conferences there. The SCLC was going to do something really big. Israeli government shut that down. Remember Martin Luther King says that we as people will get to the promised land? The SCLC was going to bring thousands, I mean thousands of black folks to Israel and baptize them in the River Jordan trying to fulfill King's dream. It, I was so excited to hear about that. I just thought, oh, my goodness, the rapture may take place if that happens. And they really was going to do it. And I even go on my Facebook and you'll see pictures of uh, the SCLC with uh, Ben-Ami, the leader of the, uh, the Israelites in there in Israel, in Demona. And uh, they were actually going to bring many planes full, 767 big planes loaded full of African-Americans, there to be baptized in the river Jordan. It was going to be a big deal. Some kind of way the Israeli government did not like that. Or it, didn't, it fell through. Uh, so I'm telling you all, lots of people uh, uh, was a part of that. I just hate that, that that fell through. But anyway, here's some more people that have actually uh, been to Demona. Evelyn Champagne King, I remember her. Uh, and what, and what you do to me is a shame. Uh, that lady, that singer. Um, but, of course, I'm sure I'm with Bobby Brown, Whitney Houston. Lots of celebrities been there. But the main thing I'm trying to focus on is who has talked with me and influenced me. So the reason why I have Beverly Todd's picture is because while I didn't really hang out with Beverly Todd, she was always close enough for me to touch sometime, and I was moved by her. Uh, consistency to come to Israel every year, you know, because it's a very busy woman in Hollywood, and then she saw value in what the Israelites were doing. These people didn't believe everything Benjamin taught, but they understood that we was Israel, and, and uh, that philistine was so down to earth. I just, I didn't know celebrities was that uh, approachable, but uh, I talked with her a little bit, and uh, they went on trips with us. We went to uh, uh I think we went to Bethlehem together, uh, uh, and that was more. There's other people that were supposed to be celebrities. I just didn't know their name. I didn't want to try to know their name, but no telling who they were. But lots of people go to Demona, folks. Believe that. Like I said, Erica Badu. I've never seen Erica Badu there, but I heard after uh, Whitney went, she went, and um, 
I can't think of all these different people. There's a long list. I used to have a list of all the people that have been there, but there's been a lot of people. I remember meeting a senator from, uh, uh, where was he from? Lots of politicians go there, but there was a senator from another place. Uh, oh, and uh can't forget my friend from Zimbabwe that sat on the uh, World Bank Committee. Uh, what is this woman's name? Oh, Lord. She loved Arlene, my wife, a uh, powerful woman. Uh, oh, my goodness. But anyway, in the world, in the African world, she was a very powerful person, very known, and, and uh, owned a lot of stuff. She was telling me all the stuff she was doing. And if you look at it, she's not. Uh, and these are people that inspired me because they had so much going on for themselves. And here they was in little old Demona with these people that look like Demona is not some great, I mean, they don't have the elaborate hotels and all that. These are very uh, root, uh, grassroots type of people, very modest living. And here are these people that, you know, world shakers, uh, Mazula, uh, uh, that's her last name, can't think of first name, I almost got it though, uh, Rose Missoula, Rose Missoula, sets, look it up, Rose Missoula set on the World Bank, Rose Missoula uh, runs this uh, hotel chain in uh, Zimbabwe, she also runs a leather company that's the size of Tandy, she also has a, a shoe line that's that's as big as probably Nike is, in the, but in Africa, and, and then this woman really, I mean, when, I, when you meet her, you just won't know that you just don't believe it. She just don't look the part. She just don't. I mean, she dressed in very nice clothes and everything. But, but the reason I was impressed by her, moved by her, and I'm sharing her with you tonight, is here's a woman that chose to be among this revelation, be among those that support this whole concept of Hebrew Israelites being the people of color scattered out the four corners. She's there with, with people, and, and you got all types of cameramen running around trying to take pictures of these different folks. And this woman is there, and she's been there. I've seen uh, Miss Mazula there several times, and that's M-A-Z-U-L-A. I think that's where you spell Rose's name. Uh, she invites to come to Zimbabwe. Never have been. Plan on going one day, though. But let's real quick while we're wrapping up here. Obviously, the Million Man March in D.C. Now, we're talking about domestic. We're strictly talking about domestic for the last 10, 15 minutes of the show. These are places that have touched me dearly. Memphis, Tennessee, the Church of God in Christ Convocation. convocation. Not because Karen Clark's here was there who I met, but because I met uh, so many powerful people in the Church of God in Christ. It was unreal. If you ever want to see something that get your mind blue, be in Memphis in November and go and check out the Church of God of Christ. They call it the world's largest. It, it holds, it should be in the Guinness Book of World Records, the largest convention for a week, not for a day. Probably Michael Jackson, somebody like that had that record. But for a week, they have more people to come to Memphis, or at least at one time they did, they probably still do, and they hold a record. Church of God in Christ Convocation holds a record for the most people in one week. You ain't seen nothing like it. They have more. They have, it may be 19 concerts in one night, maybe 19, a whole lot of these concerts, I should say 19 events, 19 events, maybe 
concerts. I didn't even go see as, as much as I like meeting Karen Clark and there at Mason Temple and all. I didn't even go where they was at. Can you believe that? I went to where their mother was at because she was at a place called, and I did get invited. Karen didn't invite me to meet, come where they were and, and told me the hotel they was living and all this, but I was so, at that time, just on fire for God, and I still am. I mean, I ain't going to lie, not like I was, but I wanted to see their mama and this woman called uh, Bernadette Cash Williams who had this gift to call people out, give tell them their name and what's going on with them. This woman had a gift that you just don't see. I really don't think I've really seen anybody operate like that since. But uh, that, that changed my life. The Church of God in Christ Convocation is no joke. Memphis, Tennessee. Farrakhan, uh, speaking in Miami. Yes, Farrakhan, speaking in Miami. Another thing that moved me, I saw black men crying out before the Farrakhan even came up, crying his name, Farrakhan, Farrakhan. I never saw men behave like that black, grown, strong-looking man, men, just anticipating this man's I mean, I've seen Farrakhan several times speak in Dallas, and, but in Miami it was off the chain. It was off the chain. And the thing, this is when he preached that message, add it up, talking about all the things that we've done, add it up, add up all of the accomplishments, add up the people dying in wars, add up, he called the thing, add up, and every time he would say so, accomplishment, the people start cheering, add it up. Add it up. And they, he would say something else. Add it up. This man preached like somebody from another planet. That was one of the greatest messages I've ever, ever heard. And it was preached by Louis Farrakhan in my life changer. Never will forget that. Thanks, Gary, for showing me around in Miami because he lived there for a while. New Orleans. Went to New Orleans. Challenged the whole voodoo concept. Went to voodoo shop. That was something very, very powerful because all my life I've been taught about voodoo this, voodoo that. And I made up my mind as a believer. I can go anywhere I can because I have the power and authority. And a lot of people not even enter this store. Some of y'all from New Orleans are probably laughing because you probably go do it all the time, but you got to understand the rest of the world don't look at y'all like that. These voodoo shops, it's off, off limits for Christians. But I got to see a lot in New Orleans. And I'm not going to name everything I did in New Orleans. I went down to get my passport, and I began to go to some different places and check out different things. But one of the things that was profound was that voodoo shop. The food was off the chain, too. But that voodoo shop, going off into it and just really analyzing and reading up on voodoo and finding out the roots of it and how, again, racism poisoned us against that, that that it started off as a belief system. People just had so, dog, so so much doggone real power. Christianity just not used to that. We started walking the same power, but, but this, these people started off with power to heal people, power to do good. It wasn't a cursed thing at first, but they had all these enemies and people trying to come in and take their land. They start, you know, doing, and it was it was before people started trying to take their land. I want to make sure I get that right. But when people started tripping with them, they the the belief system turned into negative believing, believing a person is going to be cursed, believing a person is going to die, believing if I take this chicken head and do this with it, something's going to happen. But it started off positive. These these voodoo have voodoo have their roots in Christianity. I'm telling you, y'all need to research this stuff. I'm not saying it is now. The finished product is totally godly. I don't believe that. I mean, again. I don't believe voodoo is godly. 
what it ended up being, but you got to look at the roots of it. Look at the first, some of the first pioneers of it. It will blow your mind. It will make you, it will mess up your theology. It did not start off like you think it did. But I learned that in New Orleans. Uh, moving right along. Uh, let's see, what are we doing? San Francisco, San, San Jose. I can't understand my writing here. Let's see here. Silicon Valley, what? I did I was gonna say something in but I can't think right now. Um Saint Thomas I know beyond a shadow of doubt is for sure one of the places where the Israelites was dropped off. And it's very evident. Look at the culture, look at the people, look at how other people rule over them, look how they're not able to come together, same characteristics of Israel all over the place just like we are. Uh, well, I have Gary, Indiana down here. I think I was just writing different places I've been. Um, yeah, some of this. Um, Hawaii, again, is um, went to Honolulu. Um, this is another place where it's an island. You know, those islands, those slave ships made it to those islands, folks. And a lot of these people, you got to look at the characteristics, you got to look at the prophecy, you got to look at what they're going through as a people. Are they vibrant? Are they united? Can they come together? Are they poor? You got to look at how are they as a nation, not individual. It, you, know, you, don't, you don't look at people like Oprah, Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson. You look at the bulk of African Americans. That's the way you do it. You're looking at the whole. Uh, Pacific uh, and the island, islands of the world, you look at the people and you look at how is their state, are they fulfilling prophecy or not? Uh, so anyway, uh, and, and uh, I do believe that the, that whole island of Hawaii has characteristics of Israelites, and I spent a lot of time there. Uh, that's probably outside of Israel. That's probably one place I visit the most. Okay, and... Uh, for those of y'all on the phone, oh, those of you on the chat room, I just got a, a, a warning that you got 60 seconds to call the phone line, else you will be disconnected. So you got 60 seconds, probably now like 45, and that is that number right to the top left corner of your screen, the 760-283-0838, 760-283-0838. Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles and New York, I'm going to talk about at the same time, even though they're two different places, they are full of Israelites. If you go to any one of these places, you're going to get a massive understanding of Israelites. I have learned so much on the streets of New York, and it's funny. The only thing I hate about New York is this is where a lot of times they dog out white people. They dog out white because they, a lot of people are not raised, raised in church. They just find that they're Israelites. They find that we are the true Jews because of the prophecies that we fulfill Spoken of in Deuteronomy 28, Moses said in verse 46, these things are going to be upon Israel forever, blessings forever, other curses forever. It depends on whether or not they obey. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.